guys are super friendly. And how could you not be? Because seriously, you have one of the friendliest pastors in the whole world. Do you know that? Yeah. You sort of feel like you're best friends with Ward within about two minutes. And, um, and you are, because he doesn't have any other friends. <laughs> no, that's, that's not true. Um, but what a, what a wonderful man of God. What an amazing mind he has. You know, his word smithery <laughs> is incredible. The way he constructs his sentences. And he's a smart man, but he's also a very nice man. And those two don't often go together. Um, that's not true at all, actually. Um, but they go together in Ward. And actually, Ward just came out and spoke at um, C3 College just recently, did a lecture for us. And, um, and we just heard the most amazing feedback from that lecture. They raved about it for days and days. And so, great man of God, great wisdom, great experience. So, thanks for having me here today, Ward, and beautiful Nick, who known for a very long time and actually worked with her brother for about two years. Um, in a Christian um, uh, editing and publishing business. So there's a weird connection there, isn't there, Nick? Um, And it's also really cool to see all of our C3 College students, current, yes, let's give them a hand. Current and um, ex-students. And so Joe's one of those. Joe's one of our ex-students and so good. I I hear you're doing amazing things and... um, I'd, and, and I just, I can see that you're full of the Holy Spirit. You're a great man of God and, and I just can't wait to see what God does with your life. I just encourage you just to keep plowing. Don't change. Don't let the fire go out. <laughs> I don't think you will. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so thank you so much for having me. I'm going to get into the word this morning. This is a word that has really profoundly impacted me as I've been putting it together. Don't you love those? When you're asked to preach something and you think, oh, okay, I need to go do a bit of reading about that. That's not, a, that's not a revelation that I've currently kind of living out of. But as I've been studying the word, it's just come alive to me. And um, so we're going to start out um, in 2 Corinthians 5.17. And it says this, it'll probably go up on the screen there. And the message title, if I had to give it a title, is called You Are a New Creation. Okay? And so the emphasis is on the word are (laughs) because sometimes you don't feel like a new creation and I'll unpack that in a moment. But um, this particular scripture says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So who's in Christ here? Who's, who's following Jesus? Okay, so this scripture's about you. If your old things have passed away and all things have become new, it's interesting if we look at the tense that that's written in because um, we've made a decision to follow Christ and it says the old things have passed away and yet I know I'm in Christ but I feel like sometimes those old things have not only not passed away but they're not even sick. <laughs> they're not, they don't even have a sniffle. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They don't even have a flu or a cold. They are very present in my life. And, you know, when you are put under pressure, those things pop up. And, and you, you suddenly just go, I don't really understand how one day I could be a new creation and the next I could be like one of Satan's minions. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like the, the kind of um, behaviours that, that happen under pressure, they just kind of pop out of us. I'm telling you, um, we still get angry when someone cuts us off in traffic. 
um, cyclists included. Um, we still yell at the kids if they don't get ready in time. We still get jealous and envious of people. We still want to cut in front of people in long lines at the movies. And that's a very specific one because I want to tell you something right now that is a confession of mine. And that is that recently, like I feel like I'm a pretty, you know, together person. I can hold it together. I'm not too selfish. I'm not, you know, this or that. But I tell you what, put me under pressure and I become an interesting person. Old things have not passed away. All things have not become new. And so recently I went to the movies and um, I had one of those days where I felt under pressure. And by the end of the day when we got to the movies, I just was about to blow my lid. And then I got there and there was, there was two people serving at the counter. So you know how they have at the movies, one person's like um, taking ticket or giving tickets and da-da-da. And the other person's on a completely different counter. But, well, I know, Joe. <laughs> but there was only one line for one of the counters. And so I'm thinking, the Lord has opened up the heavens for me. Look at this. I, there's a whole thing open. And then I realized as I was getting closer to this scene that people were going down the line and then splitting into two to be um, served by these people at the movies. And I thought, we'll blow this for a joke. I'm not going to line up when there's two tellers there. Clearly, the rule is if there are two tellers, there needs to be two lines. How many people agree with me on that? Okay, thank you. <laughs> so clearly the Lord hasn't shifted my heart on this one yet. But, but um, so I just decided I'm not, I'm not mucking around today. There is no more mucking around. I said I'm making a new line. And my poor boyfriend was so embarrassed and he heard these women at the back of the line talking about me and everything. And, and you know what? I stood there and I was defiant but I wasn't proud of myself. <laughs> and I got my tickets and I stormed off into the movie and I sat down and I thought, Emily, what just went on there? I don't really understand. I thought the old things had passed away. I thought I was in Christ. Um, and, you know, I was terrified that it was someone from church in the line because, you know, they see you up preaching and they think, well, who got her up there? Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's those little things, isn't it, during the day that, that um, take us on a slippery slope from thinking that we're okay, we're doing okay, to thinking that we fundamentally suck as a person. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? We're just, um, our humanity has been revealed. And so it can be really confusing when you hear a scripture like that, that you are a new creation. Because here's the thing, church, God sees us from a heavenly perspective, but from our perspective, we st still see the stuff that has to be dealt with. So God lives out of time. Thank God that God lives out of time. And he sees us perfect while we are yet being perfected. Isn't that amazing? So we live in this tension of the now, but the not yet. Of the, I am a new creation, but I'm also becoming a new creation and God sees the new creation. He sees the person that you were created to be from his original blueprint. Um, and that's why he was able to call Gideon a mighty man of valor when Gideon was in the wine press, not doing much at all for the Lord. And the Lord said, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. In, in fact, he called him that. And it's the same thing with our lives. He calls us a new creation, though we are yet to become a new creation. 
And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about later why it's so important that we understand that we're a new creation. But let me just talk a little bit about this restoration process for a moment. How am I supposed to live in that tension between the I am and the I am becoming? You are being restored to your original design. Does anyone watch um, Renault Rumble or House Rules or (laughs) The Block? It's just me. Okay, The Block. Okay, we have some takers on The Block. All right, so here's the thing. God, if he was on those programs, would have won every single program because God is the master restorer and he's the master renovator. And, you know, that doesn't discount those moments in our lives that he quickly and suddenly does things. There are times in your life where God will suddenly release you and bring you into freedom in an area, but it's not most of it. Most of our lives, we have to walk out this journey of being restored by God, the master restorer. And, you know, when it comes to the cleaning of our hearts and the transformation of our character, there's no miracle cream, ladies. (laughs) Don't you love those miracle creams that you see on the morning shows? They take away your wrinkles like that. Well, God doesn't move like that. He gently and over time restores the things that have fallen in your world. And, um, you know, this is a great example. And this really just spoke to me, this picture um, about the Sistine Chapel. It spoke to me of how God works in our lives over time. So when the Sistine Chapel ceiling was painted by Michelangelo between 1508 and 1512, it was this beautiful, bright, vivid, um, you know, just creation of colour. It was absolutely stunning. But by the time 500 years later, when the candles had burned for 500 years and the soot had risen, That original picture became dark, um, harder to see, and the bright colours had been subdued. Okay, so you still see this amazing imagery, but it's dirty. Is it up there? Oh, good. It's up there, so you can see it. So the colours were muted kind of down to this sepia tone, like you can see on the left there, like those 70s photos that your mum brings out. It's the sepia tone. Bring back the sepia tone. So when they restored the Sistine Chapel... They started experimenting in 1979 with the restoration. They didn't actually complete the work until 1994 and it wasn't actually revealed to the public till 1999. So 20 years of work went into the restoration of the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. There were layers and layers and layers of stuff on that chapel ceiling. And what they actually did, and I think this is a beautiful picture of Christ, is for some of the restoration, they actually poured Greek wine into a sponge and they covered the area with Greek wine and then they just began to slowly, slowly just restore it really gently, little bit by little bit. And I went, you know what, that's like Christ. Christ covers us with his blood and then the master recovers us with his mighty hand. So we are both covered and we're also being recovered. And I know that kind of, it's, it's hard to understand, but the Lord's ways are higher than our ways, aren't they? And sometimes we don't always understand. But I think this is a beautiful picture of that process. And after they had recovered this beautiful artwork, the vivid colours came back to life. You know what? You know, in our life, um, what I found interesting about this process of recovering the Sistine Chapel is that they never added anything to the picture they only took away. You know what? You are perfect. Underneath 
all of the grime and the dust and the soot and the stuff that's happened in your life, maybe the rejection, maybe the abuse, maybe, um, you know, you've made some mistakes that you really wish you could undo. Do you know what? Underneath all that, God sees perfection. And he is about his business in restoring you as a person to your original design. Now, it may take your entire life, but that's okay. You will be restored to your former glory at some point. (laughs) Praise God. And so he restores us to our original. It's just amazing. So he doesn't need to add anything. He just takes away the dirt. And he's not making you into something necessarily brand new. He's just making you new again. He's recovering what already was, his blueprint, his original design. So it really takes, you know, the master's hand to meticulously and gently rub away that stuff that's in your life. And so you have to make um, make that decision at some point that you are going to let God walk you through some of those things that take some of that soot and grime off your life. And, and you have to walk it out with him. And it is a process. I'm telling you, it's taken me 38 years for God to start rubbing off the grime and soot of just fear in my life. I, I feel like, you know what, since I was a baby, I remember being fearful and worried all the time. It was like this thing that just followed me my whole life. And over time, over 38 years, God has just begun to uncover this boldness that he originally put in there that the fear had covered over and I was timid and I was like shy most of the time and I didn't want to and now look at me I'm on a microphone and I'm yelling at you (laughs) sorry that was too loud (laughs) but you know God can restore you to his original blueprint I reckon that when God was forming me in the womb he saw someone bold he saw someone on fire and, and fearless but, but over my life, I'd, I'd struggled with that. The fears just got the better of me. But God, over time, oh, he's just beginning to like uncover these things that he had put in me from the beginning. And um, he does the same for you. So we're not perfect yet, but we are being restored by the one who is perfect. And there is a gloriousness within you that when you're in Christ, only the master has seen it. I mean, when you think of yourself as glorious, you're kind of like, well, I don't understand that yet. And, you know, perhaps we're not supposed to. But what we have to understand is that God sees it. And he knows what he painted, just like Michelangelo. We say, God, look at this mess. Look at this attitude that I have. Look at this. Look at my language, Lord. When, when someone cuts me off in traffic, where does that language come from? I never use it in daily life, but it just pops out of nowhere. Lord, help us. And it is. <laughs> and God says, you know what? I know you see the mess, but I know what I've painted, and I'm going to uncover it bit by bit. So if I'm being restored... Why is it so important that I believe that I'm a new creation? If I have a revelation of the restoration power of God in my life and the fact that he's uncovering the beauty bit by bit, why would I bother to think, well, I'm complete and perfect right now as I am? And I'll tell you why. It's so important that you believe that you are a new creation. Okay, so we're going to move to a beautiful scripture in 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18 in the message. I love the message translation. It just somehow um, uncovers revelation to me um, in ways that sometimes other translations 
things can't. But in this particular scripture, there's this beautiful revelation. And it says, whenever though they turn their face to God, as Moses did, God removes the veil and they're face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, the old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us, nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. Isn't that beautiful? Our gr lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. And the point here is this, that it's in the face-to-face -face with God that he begins this transformative work of restoration. And so why do we have to see ourselves as perfect? Because for us to enter into that throne room and not try and hide our face and, and kind of like shame ourselves away from God, for us to really connect with God so that he can transform us, we must understand the grace that Christ has brought for us and the boldness with which we can walk into that throne room. We have to understand the boldness that we have been given to walk into that throne room. So let me ask you this. When was the last time you were face to face with God? It's a good question. Just going to let it simmer. <laughs> when was the last time you were eye to eye with God? When was the last time you looked him straight in the eye? There's something really confronting, isn't there, about looking someone straight in the eye. I'm doing it to some of you now, and it's really confronting. It's confronting for me. <laughs> but you know what? There's something um, that God has called us to that kind of relationship with him. He hasn't called us to walk around the throne room, around his throne, and kind of like try and avoid him. You know what? You can come to church for 20 years and have never looked God in the face and had a true encounter with him. But you know, when you're getting to know someone, this is what you want to do. I'm going to do it to my poor boyfriend. You ready? I'm going to jump on his lap. I'm going to look him in the eye and I'm going to have a relationship with him. That You have to have that connection with God. That's what he wants. So for you, some of you in this room, I was going to do that to Ward, but I thought it was inappropriate. <laughs> that would have been very inappropriate. But here's the thing. This is what God said to me a couple of days ago as I was preparing this message. He said, you know, I want my children running into that throne room, jumping up onto my lap and looking me straight in the face. And you know what? Some of you haven't done that in a very long time. Yeah, you might come to church. You might go to Connect Group every week. But there is something that is um, blocking. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's just the knowledge of your own sin. It just overwhelms you sometimes and you just can't look him straight in the face. But I'm telling you today, that's the relationship that he's called, called you to. And if you can't do that, then you can't be transformed. Because here the word says, when they turn their face to God as Moses did, he removes the veil and they're face to face. And out of that place, we're transfigured, our gr lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become more like him. So the problem is, a lot of the time, just in this last few minutes, is 
The way we think about ourselves profoundly affects our relationship with the Lord. And Stephen Furtick writes in his book, Crash the Chatterbox. I don't know if anyone's read that book, but it's brilliant. And he says, you know, anywhere between 16,000 and 60,000, sorry, anywhere between 16,000 and 60,000 thoughts are what we have a day. Anywhere between that. And that 80% of these thoughts, although they're not able to research this probably as scientifically as they'd like to, but about 80% of these thoughts are thought to have been negative about ourselves, okay, or just in general negative. So I think I'm pushing towards the 90% (laughs) negative thoughts about myself. I'm going for a record. (laughs) Um, And other studies say that 90% of our thoughts in a day are exactly the same thoughts as we had the day before. So not only are we thinking bad stuff about ourselves, but we're thinking the same stuff about ourselves over and over and over again. For example, you can, f- you can fill these um, sentences. Why do I always fill in the blank question mark? <laughs> I'll never get this right. My family are right. I'm fill in the blank. Everyone else at work is better at their job than me. I'm the weakest link. Has anyone ever thought that? I'm the weakest link goodbye. I think that all the time. And the worst one is when we begin to label ourselves. I'm so, fill in the blank, I'm so lazy, I'm so selfish, I'm so incompetent. Do you know that when we actually think negatively about ourselves, there's a chemical reaction? And this chemical reaction, it um, literally weakens our physiology and depletes us of our energy. You know, if you plan to have a sugar-free day, like I do every day, I plan to have a sugar-free day every day, just about, if, if by 11 o'clock I've fallen into sin by having some chocolate, you know, you know that thing you do where you just write off the whole day? You go, look, I'm just going to write this day off and start again tomorrow. And then you go, well, that's good. I'm going to stuff my face with chocolate. <laughs> and, um, and I'm just going to enjoy it. Well, it's the same with sin. You do something you're not proud of, you feel bad about yourself, and that perpetuates the bad behaviour because you lose the will to do the right thing. It's almost, it's like it gives that sin momentum in your life or that habit or that attitude momentum. But being in Christ means we boldly come before the throne. We have a revelation that in him we're a new creation and that actually, instead of depleting us of energy, gives us the ability to run into that throne room, jump on our dad's lap and kiss him all over his face. That's, what, that's the kind of relationship he wants. And, um, you know, God never intended us not to feel right about ourselves. And we know that from the Garden of Eden. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that actually made the difference in Adam and Eve's lives. They had knowledge of their own imperfection. And all of a sudden, that began to separate them from God. So if I want to be transformed, church, if I want to be transformed, just like that Sistine Chapel picture we saw, where God restores to us the way he originally intended for us to be, then I have to understand that I am in Christ. And if I don't understand that I'm in Christ, I'm always going to walk sheepishly toward the Lord. And it's hard for the Lord to do anything in that place. He wants face-to-face. He wants eye contact. You know, this is a terrible example, but you've all seen the movie Ghost probably at some stage. You remember that awful scene where 
Patrick Swayze jumps into the body of Whoopi Goldberg, profoundly disturbing. But it illustrates a point because when you're in Christ and Christ is in you, everything about you changes. Perhaps not on the outside. Like Whoopi Goldberg was still Whoopi Goldberg, but on the inside she was different. (laughs) And so you look the same, but on the inside you're different. And, you know, the Word of God says, even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. You start to say what Christ would say. You start to do what Christ would do. You start to act like Christ would act. You love people. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, where's that love feeling coming from? I love that person. I really don't like them, but I really love them. Do you know that feeling? <laughs> and, it's, and you're like, it's got to be God. This has got to be a God thing. So here's the thing, church. You know, next, thing, next time you do something you're not proud of, instead of letting that negative thought pattern, I'm to this, I'm to that, I'm never going to be good at this, instead of going down that pathway of negativity and condemnation, you say this scripture, therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And out of that place, we walk boldly into the throne room of of the Lord. So that's my part in the restoration process. All I have to do is put myself in the soil of transformation. And that's my relationship with God. That's what Jesus paid for. He didn't pay for us to be looking the Lord sheepishly in the eye, going, oh, I just don't think I can have a relationship with you right now. I'm too bad. I'm too bad. No, he paid for you to run boldly into that throne room and look God in the eye because nothing you can do could ever make him love you less. Just in closing, um, I remember a time where I felt I had really blown the call of God. I really felt like I'm... I've done, I've blown it. And, you know, for me, I had a very keen conscience, a very sharp conscience from a young age. So if I tell you what it was about, you'd go, what? You thought you'd blown it because of that? (laughs) But it was something that I felt like disqualified me from what I felt like God had called me to do. And I remember every morning for about three years, waking up in my bed, and there'd be like a speakerphone next to my head. And all I would hear was, you've blown it, you've blown it, you've blown it, over and over and over again. And so before I even got out of bed in the mornings, I was, I was done for. <laughs> and the feeling that came after that feeling of I've blown it was just almost unbearable. And you know what? That thing wasn't telling me anything I didn't already think. But I hadn't yet discovered the truth that I was a new creation that I had confidence before God, that, you know, whatever I had done or not done, it was mainly things I hadn't done at that point, I think. I just felt like, God, you've called the wrong person here. I don't know if anyone's ever felt like that. God, you've called the wrong person. I'm to this, I'm to that. I've missed the boat. I've blown it. And you know what? It took me three or four years to walk out of that feeling. The devil stole three or four years of my life because I didn't understand what it was to be a new creation. You know, it's amazing how feelings and thoughts can derail you for so long, you know. But if I had known what that scripture says, that I am a new creation, I would never have let that lie overtake me 
bring fear, discouragement, condemnation into my life. Because in Christ, we are loved by God. We are accepted by God. We are being transformed. There is nothing you can do to make him love you less. He is restoring you. You do have boldness before God. You can look God straight in the eye today. You are becoming more and more like him. You are. And he is changing you from the inside out. If I could just get the band up, I'm just going to quickly pray over you. You know, I feel like some of you in this room today, you know, maybe you're even in leadership. It, this, is, this includes everybody here. And I'm not going to ask you to come out the front or anything like that, but I might ask you just to stand in the presence of God. And I just want you to have a moment with God right now where you begin to understand that you can right now look Him in the eye. But God, I'm too messed up. But God, you, you know what I did last week. But God, but God, but God. The Word of God says this, that you are a new creation and that Jesus paid for you to be able to run into the throne room of, of the Lord, sit on His lap, kiss Him all over His face, have eye contact, have Him speak to you about your life. Some of you haven't heard the voice of the Lord for a very long time and it's because you won't allow yourself close enough to hear it. You know, God is... God's a whisperer. And sometimes to hear that whisper, you've got to be really close. And so right here, right now, maybe we just close our eyes and lift our hands to the Lord. And, and I want you to just ask yourself the question, you know, do if I was to stand before God right now, right here, would I feel confident in front of Him? Would I feel bold in front of Him? Could I look Him in the eye? That's a tough question to ask, but I, the reason I ask it is because I want you all to be able to make that journey over these next couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks, where you begin to run into the arms of your Father again, when you begin to look at Him again. And in that place, you will find yourself being radically transformed. You cannot change yourself. It's up to the Master. <laughs> you cannot inwardly change those attitudes and those things that pop up every now and again, but God can. He is the master restorer. So right here, right now, God, we just look you in the eye because we know that's what Jesus paid for. We look you in the eye today, God, and we just say we love you and we thank you. We thank you so much, Jesus, for paying the price to give us this access into the throne room of God. God, we commit to coming to you again sitting closely with you, not far away. God, we put aside all the dust, the dirt, the grime, the things that have happened, the things that were done to us and the things that we've done. Lord Jesus, we thank you right now that the blood of Christ covers us and we are being recovered. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The reason I wanted us all to engage with this today is because I think this is a a, a pretty widespread issue for most most of humanity, isn't it? Even as Christians, we find it hard to really have that intimacy with the Lord. And this is one of the reasons. And if you can get that revelation today that you have bold access into the throne room of God, no matter how you feel about yourself, that doesn't matter. God sees differently. God sees you differently. And He's saying, come, 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 come in. Don't stay away, come in. 
So we thank you for this church today, God. We thank you, Lord, that out of this place, Lord, out of this message, Lord, you're going to do a new thing. Lord God, that as they come near to you, God, that you revive them again on the inside. You begin to transform them. And God, we will be the glorious sons and daughters that you've called us to be on the earth. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Why don't you just give God a hand?